The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. I wake up and I can't believe they let me do this. I really do. I feel like someone's going to come along someday and just take it away and say, oh, we don't know what we're thinking. And it gives me a, um, I don't know. It just gives me, it it gives me a lightness to, you know, I write a lot of darkness, but there's a lightness to me when I'm at work. Everybody can see it. Even when we were shooting this show, which was my, you know, at times we were getting hit by hurricanes. We were getting hit by lightning strikes. We had COVID, you know, outbreaks. We're in southern Louisiana in the middle of the summer. A lot of things went wrong. A lot of things. And I loved every minute of it. And welcome back to The Writer Files. This is your humble host, Kelton Reed, wishing you pages, patience, and perseverance per usual. New York Times bestselling author and screenwriter producer Dennis Lehane spoke to me about what he learned from Clint Eastwood working on Mr. Mercedes with David E. Kelly and his new Apple TV Plus show, Blackbird. Dennis is the best-selling author of 13 novels, including four adapted into films of the same name, 2003's Academy Award-winning film Mystic River, directed by Clint Eastwood, 2007's Gone Baby Gone, 2010's Shutter Island, directed by Martin Scorsese, and 2016's Live by Night, directed by Ben Affleck. His latest is the limited Apple TV Plus series Blackbird, described as a fascinating rip from the headline story and true crime drama based on the 2010 memoir by James Keene and Hillel Levin, In With the Devil, a fallen hero, a serial killer, and a dangerous bargain for redemption. Jimmy Keene, played by Taron Edgerton, cuts a deal with the FBI to enter maximum security prison for the criminally insane and befriend a suspected serial killer, Larry Hall, played by Paul Walter Hauser. And Blackbird premieres globally with the first two episodes Friday, July 8th, followed by one new episode weekly every Friday. Lahane was a staff writer on the acclaimed HBO series The Wire and also worked as a writer-producer on HBO's Boardwalk Empire, the Netflix series Bloodline, and was a writer-producer on the television adaptation of Stephen King's Mr. Mercedes. In this file, Dennis and I discussed why he sucked at everything except writing and playing pool how he landed a literary agent while parking cars, dealing with imposter syndrome early on in his career, how he prefers screenwriting to novel writing today, why narcissists have no place on a TV set, and a lot more. Stay calm and write on. And don't forget, you can always support this show by heading to writerfiles.fm, where you can also sign up for email updates, get links to merch, 
and other resources for writers. And if you're a fan of The Writer Files, please click follow to automatically see new interviews in your podcatcher as soon as they're published and drop us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you tune in to help other writers find us. And we are back on The Writer Files. I am honored today to be joined by the best-selling author, writer, and producer, Dennis Lehane is joining us. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Thanks for having me. This is great. Yeah. Um, wh- where are you right now? Are you on the West Coast um, yeah. doing... No, I live, yeah. in L- I live in LA. Yeah. So uh, so I've been here for uh, eight years now. Yeah, yeah. How, are you, how is LA feeling these days? You know, uh, like the rest of the country, pretty circling the drain. But, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's what it is. <laughs> um, well, I can't wait to talk about your amazing uh, career these accolades um the latest blackbird which is a apple tv plus show that's very impressive and getting a lot of great press but let's talk about um your superhero origin and dig into your dossier a little bit as a writer i want to i want to take you back to the days when you were driving limos and and you know waiting tables and and prior to all this uh yeah success you know kind of take us back a little bit and, and and you know kind of the cliffs notes of of this amazing circuitous career to um where you are today so what would you like me to say about those days i'd love to just hear a little bit of the origin story of you know before you were a best-selling author prior to you know some of these amazing yeah, yeah. Uh, right. crime thrillers and and uh, this lauded series of books that kind of puts you on the map yeah before you became this award-winning um and uh lauded screenwriter and tv producer the thing that i always feel was the the best thing that ever happened to me as a writer was um is that i suck at everything else <laughs> I, I just don't have any other demonstrable skills outside of i'm, I'm a pretty good pool player but that's about it <laughs> um and you can't make money at that and so i had no choice from a very early age i mean i did love telling stories and I loved writing from about eight years old. So, um, I was, I was on a track pretty early. And then when I was, I didn't think I was going to become a writer per se. I thought I was going to become a journalist or I'd be a lawyer with writing skills or something. But, but then when I was, by the time I was 20, I dropped out of two schools and I just, you know, I had taken safety majors and I realized I went to my parents who, you know, immigrants and really been hoping I was the last, last hope for the family Hmm. And I was the youngest of five. And, um, and I, I just said, you know, I'm on, I, I just don't want to do anything else, but learn how to be a writer, learn how to write books or short stories or something. And, and they were like, you know, well then, then do it, you know, and, which is just shocking. If you know, the kind of worry that immigrants, you know, put into the next generation and hmm. for them to, hmm. To, to support me. I think they would be worn down by the four siblings ahead of me. But so I did feel there was a, a an onus on me that maybe wasn't on anybody else that I was in school with. Once I got in, I got a scholarship somewhere and I started to write seriously. I didn't, the dilettante factor was removed from me. I knew I had to make it. I just was so so focused on writing. Hmm. That's what everybody remembers about me from college. You know, as you know, I just ate, drank, and slept it. It's all I did. And yeah. um, and so 
uh, by the time, you know, I was going off to, I landed an agent when I was going off to grad school. I sold my book when I was finishing grad school. So hmm. when I went back to park cars and then drive limos at the Ritz Carlton in Boston, I already knew I was going to be published. Hmm. <laughs> That's cool. And, and that, and I didn't make any money. I mean, I, I literally, you know, made the $1,000 over the minimum wage for a novelist, which had not changed since 1967. Wow. And, uh, what I did have though, was a, a truly obsessive love of what I was doing. I mean, I still, to this day feel I wake up and I can't believe they let me do this. <laughs> I really do. I feel like someone's going to come along someday and just take it away and say, oh, well, we don't know what hmm. we're thinking. Hmm. And it, and it's, and it gives me a, um, I don't know. It just gives me, it, it gives me a lightness to, you know, it, I read a lot of darkness, but there's a lightness to me when I'm at work, everybody can see it. Hmm. Even when we were shooting this show, which was my, you know, at times we were getting hit by hurricanes. We were getting hit by lightning strikes. We had COVID, you know, outbreaks, we're in Southern Louisiana in the middle of the summer. Oh. A lot of things went wrong. A lot of things. And I loved every minute of it. Amazing. Amazing. Well, um, clearly the work speaks for itself uh, as an award-winning author of, uh, I think it's 13 novels now, and this incredible list of um, both big and small screen credits. Um, gosh, including... You know, Mystic River, directed by Clint Eastwood, uh, Gone Baby Gone, Shutter Island with Martin Scorsese. I mean, that must have been incredibly uh, like an, an, an education in and of itself. And then working with the Affleck brothers quite a bit, Ed Burns. Uh, you know, you've rubbed elbow, elbows with some um, rather important contemporaries. And, and that must be interesting for you coming from that background um, but it can't, it could not have helped, but to rub off on you, right. Kind of, uh, mixing it up with these like incredibly, uh, talented and detail oriented filmmakers and, and producers. Well, you know, it's funny, the detail oriented it's because everybody, you know, again, anybody, my, my wife would burst out laughing if anybody ever said I was detail oriented. Um, <laughs> I'm very macro. I've always been very macro and mm -hmm. I, and I noticed that. Um, you know, watching, watching Eastwood work, that was my big education. That was the set I spent a lot of time on and, and Eastwood's very macro and he, and he just hires, he hires a wonderful, uh, group of people who work with him again and again and again on films and he trusts them to do their jobs. And, and that's how I ran, you know, ran my first show was I just said, you know, I'm, I'm going to hire really great people and I'm never going to micromanage them. Hmm. Now, there are many great directors out there who are micromanagers, but um, and many showrunners out there who are micromanagers, very good at their jobs, but it's not my style at all. Mm -hmm. So um, it, it was fun to see that come into play as well because I didn't know what type of leader I'd been. I've been, you know, I've been alone in a room writing for the better part of 30 years, <laughs> you know, I didn't know how I was going to interact with people. Um, but, but yeah, it was, it was, it was quite enjoyable. Look, I, I still feel like, you know, my dad's got a barn. Let's put on a show that, that mm -hmm. to me is the essence of what we do. 
And amazing. Yeah. And it's and it's just wonderful. And when I meet people who are bitter in this business, I don't know what to say to them. Unless unless they're bitter because it didn't work out. Okay, I get that. Mm. But if you're successful in this business, this ridiculous wonderful business that we get to just make stuff up and get paid for it. Um, <laughs> I, I just feel, I don't know. I have nothing to say to you. You know, it's the people who are like, can you believe we get to do this? <laughs> I mean, like that's, uh-huh. that's the people I like to hang around with. Yeah. And we're all, you know, and, and so yes, I've rubbed elbows with a lot of people and, and that's great. But at the end of the day, it's, it's um, I have a core group of people that I like to work with. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm not really looking to make new friends. So yeah. I just kind of work with the same folks. Yeah. So you're grounded. I mean, it, it sounds like you're a pretty down to earth producer, but, you know, I mean, you come from a background where you had worked as a counselor with um, mentally handicapped and abused children, uh, yeah. which turned into, excuse me, inspiration for Gone River Gone and Mystic River. We're both yeah. inspired. Yeah. Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime that's patreon.com slash the writer files help us start something cool and special keep calm and write on it's fascinating to me that you chose of course this amazing project blackbird um congrats on the work i have just been spellbound by um the acting and the production value. Um, Taryn Edgerton, of course, Paul Walter Hauser, just fantastic. Talk about, yeah, kind of where the seeds for the inspiration came from this, because you've you've adapted um, this memoir by James Keene that's just uh, 
you know, obviously like a kind of a true crime masterpiece. But yeah, talk about how you turned that into what we're seeing, uh, or that is, you know, to be um, globally premiered here up on July 8th. Yeah. Um, via Apple TV Plus. Talk about, yeah, kind of where the seeds for the inspiration and how this thing well, all came together. Was, when the book was brought to me, the book is called um, In With the Devil. And uh, it's by Jimmy Keene, who, you know, is, is what, who's the main character. Um, and uh, Hill 11. And it's a book about, uh, the, you know, it's a true story um, about a guy who, uh, Jimmy Keene, who was, um, he was facing... No, he was doing, excuse me. He wasn't facing, he was, he had been uh, sentenced to 10 years without parole um, mm. and uh, was in a minimum security prison. And they came to him and they said, uh, the FBI came to him and said, uh, we would like you to transfer to a maximum security prison, specializing in the criminally insane uh, <laughs> and buddy Jeez. up to a guy we think is a serial killer and get yeah. him to confess. And if you do that, we'll commute your entire sentence. And if you don't, if you can't pull it off, you're stuck doing your time in one of the worst hellholes in America. Oh my God. And, and that was, that was, that's the basic storyline. And Jimmy yeah. took the deal because he wanted to get out and see his father, who he didn't think was going to live 10 years. And, um, it, uh, it, it, it captured me for a number of reasons, but I would say, um, you know, I, I think the father and son story, I write a lot about fathers and sons. Um, I think that a way to look at, misogyny and toxic masculinity was very attractive to me and hmm. you know the, there's nothing more toxically masculine than a serial killer mm -hmm. and also for a man to go on a journey uh i i love those stories i love stories that are, have work on clean mythological lines and this did it's a story of a guy it's as old as gilgamesh it's a story of a guy who was asked by the village in order to protect the village to go out find the monster in the cave, confront him and come back. Yeah. And, and, and that's exactly what our story is. Um, Jimmy King goes out into the world, enters a prison um, and, and has a reckoning not only with this rather monstrous human being, but also with himself, also with the darker aspects of himself. And, and then also parts of his own humanity that he didn't realize were there depths of his own humanity that he didn't realize that were there. Hmm. And then he comes hmm. back a changed man. And that's, I started to, you know, write the scripts and people started to respond to my take on it. It's hmm. been a project that has been gestating for like 10 years before I came along. And, uh, and then, and then we got the right people involved and interested and, and it was started with Taron Edgerton and, and then it went from there. Yeah. Amazing. Um, best known, uh, Taron Edgerton, best known for the Kingsman, right? And Rocky. Um, and Rocky Man, of course, um, an amazing performance in Rocky Man. You know, there were and there's aren't going to be spoilers on this show, of course, but I thought there were some some truly memorable lines from the the uh, first couple episodes. Um, I thought when Larry Hall said, "Your energy makes me itchy" or something like that. But that, <laughs> that was a good. I don't know one. why everybody loves that line. <laughs> I, it was just so well. Yeah, it was that, just, had, just that was amazing. just a, that's that's a Lahane line for sure. But I, you know, <laughs> I, uh, I never thought it was going to be that big, but man, it's gotten everybody <laughs> responds to that line. It's that's incredible. Funny. That's uh, funny. Every no, but every time we've like showed the you know, showed the, that episode to people, you know, everybody laughs, <laughs> at that line, you know, like 
It's like a very millennial thing, I think, to say. I don't know why. You know, I'm not judging. I'm a Gen Xer myself, but don't, and don't judge me. But um, I'm a Gen Xer. Can't judge you. Yeah, no. I thought the banter on the pl- banter on the plane was really good. I thought um, the Rob Roy versus Braveheart thing was really funny too. Um, but uh, yeah. Anyway, moving on. The writing is brilliant. Congrats on the work. And uh, yeah, it's really exciting. I, I'm, I mean, I'm wrapped and I, I of course had a been able to watch the uh screeners and that was uh very generous of y'all to share those with us but oh yay i'm glad a lot of fun a, a, a very um compelling premise all around i think you picked the right piece for your voice and obviously um uh, when, when we talk about neo-noir and kind of like when i go back to shows like i mean i obviously the seminal the wire which you were a part of but also uh bloodline i thought was uh, a truly amazing noir piece um that you worked on with netflix i i, I really uh was disappointed when that one went away can you talk a little bit about um working with that incredible cast well bloodline okay so bloodline was part of my um my sort of hired gun uh phase mm, okay. uh, i was brought in uh i would be brought into um rooms where where they thought they just needed a a, a kind of a more seasoned guy to sort of focus the room i -hmm. I would say potentially Mm -hmm. yeah so they brought me into bloodline as a consultant and and it and it did i i could come in late this is one of the things we talk about all the time with, with writers and i'm going through it right now a writer's room which is i was just in a writer's room to build the next pilot i'm writing we built it It was perfect. I left the room. I went to write it and it all fell apart. Mm. It's completely fell apart. And that happens all the time. It is just, you know, so sometimes you need new eyes. Mm -hmm. That's how a lot of times I would be brought in on shows. And so I was brought in um, season two of Bloodline because they just, you know, they, they, they were just getting lost in the cards. And I went in and I looked at it and with the benefit of coming in cold, and was like, oh, wait a minute, guys. I think I can see where this isn't. I, c- I think I can see why it's not coming together. And then I just, we just rebuilt it. And then I left. That's all I did. Um, so Incredible. that was my experience on Bloodline. I didn't, I met a, I met the actors at the premiere of season two. But hmm. that was it. So the, I've done that on a few shows. Mm-hmm. And then, but then when I, the big sort of second act of my career is a, as a writer happened when uh, David Kelly and I crossed paths. Yeah. And started working on Mr. Mercedes, and that um, that was, uh, I think, that was a big shift because then I began to become, I became the de facto showrunner for the, the LA side of the show, mm. and um, and wrote. And what that meant was I was writing nonstop, yeah. just writing to production, writing to the needs of production, and and that's where my ten thousand hours was completed. Mm. Interesting, super yeah. important. Um, and when you have to write for production, what writing for production means is they're on the shoot and all of a sudden they're like, you know, that scene you had that was, you know, outside at night. Yeah, we can't do it. We don't have the budget and we don't have the time. So you need to change it by tomorrow. Yeah. That's, that's writing to production. Uh, or I, I love to write scenes where people are driving around in cars. Love it. <laughs> and and <laughs> those are actually very time consuming scenes. Yeah. So super time consuming. So I had a director at one point who just wouldn't shoot them. 
And, and so it was like, okay, all right. <laughs> I got to write around the fact that this scene that was happening in a car is now, you know, a friend of mine has a great line, a guy I met on uh, David Manson, who I met on um, uh, Bloodline. <laughs> he has this great line. At the end of the day, it all becomes interior kitchen day. Because <laughs> it's the easiest thing to shoot. Oh, so when you do that, it, it takes, if there was any preciousness left in you, it all goes away. And it, and it makes you a much stronger, more agile writer. You can yeah. pick really fast. And so that was one of the things we did even when we were shooting Blackbird. Was I just said, mm-hmm. guys, don't anybody think I'm precious. I know I'm the showrunner. I know my names are on all the scripts, but that's why yeah. I'm on set. And if we got to change a scene, we change a scene. If we got to, you know, we are here to pivot. That's what you do. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it, and it makes for some, it's a wonderful energy. You know, if you've already got your structure strong, then to be able to kind of work within the margins yep. and to be able to be fresh and, and, you know, all the actors knew I was totally fine with improvisation as long as it didn't deviate from the point of the scene. You don't improvise just to improvise. But if you if you want to drop a word from the sentence I say, or you want to try a different take on the line, then go for it. Oh. As this sh- show kind of uh, focuses on craft, and you know, you have been in places in your career where you've had to change gears, and obviously as a writer who does prose and writes novels and short stories. Uh, and I, I even understand that you've been a playwright in a, in a past life. Yeah. Talk about the gear that is required now. And I don't know if you're working on any bigger pieces of fiction presently, and I'd, I'd love to know, but yeah, talk about, talk about what's required to be able to shift gears from the writer's room, which I know you love. Um, to that solitary confinement and how that affects your uh, creative process. Um, books and, and, and scripts are totally different. They're just completely different outside of narrative uh, DNA. They don't share almost anything in common. I, I really don't believe they do. And they require such a different part of you and such a different commitment to them emotionally that I don't think it's a, and psychologically that uh, I don't think it's a, a, a coincidence at all that, um, I'm a, I'm a, a dad. And so I have my kids, uh, every other week and I'm wholly committed to them and I want to be present for them. That's very difficult to do when I'm writing a novel. Um, because my head's always in the book. It's easy to do when I'm writing scripts hmm. because scripts are, you just, you, you're above a script. You're floating above the action. Um, whereas in a novel, you're in it, you're living in it, you're swimming in it. And, um, I find that price to be one I'm less willing to pay with every passing year. Hmm. It is. And I think it would have happened whether I had kids or not, because I've always been a very social, uh, rather gregarious human being. I am not the typical writer. Hmm. Um, and, uh, so, um, in terms of, uh, I, I don't prefer solitude. I don't, I don't like, you know, <laughs> I mean, uh, so, I like being in the mix. I like talking to people. I like having fun. So 
this just occurred, this shift in my career just occurred at the perfect time for me to be the father I want to be and to be the type of, type of writer I feel like. I think I was growing tired of the room. I think I was tired of the empty page. I think I was tired of being, you know, in solitude. Hmm. Uh, now, you know, I, I do this job that does take up a lot of my time, but doesn't take the same mental or emotional space for me. So I, you know, I can, I can be there for my kids. I can come home for lunch. Um, it's, it's all great. So, um, the difference, I think the biggest thing that any, anybody should know who does this job is, um, if your ego is about yourself and I don't care if you're an actor or you're a director or you're a writer or you're a set designer, if your ego is really about you, then you're a problem. You know, you're, you're a cancer on a set and, and I don't want to have anything to do with you. Where the great people I work with, and this is true of my cast, this was true of of, of everybody on this production, um, they were committed to this. They were committed to telling this story, mm-hmm. and I think if you have your lead actor who's as generous as as Taryn and as committed mm-hmm. as Taryn, mm-hmm. and you have your showrunner who is is sort of unprecious as I I tend to be, um, <laughs> that sets a tone, and everybody understands what they're there for, yeah. and and, and then you just hire like-minded people. So the worst thing in the world is to have to deal with some toxically insecure narcissist. <laughs> like, that's exhausting. And, and, and they drape it in the, but it's about the work. But no, it's not. It's about you. So yeah. every actor I had on this, on this production, every single one, was fully committed. I mean, it was crazy how committed they were. Yeah. Yeah. And they had no vanity. They had huge egos, but no vanity. And, yeah. and that, I think, is the trick. You know, can you have a big ego, which is the ego of the work, but no vanity, which is the insecurity of the self? Hmm. And, and I think that's an enormous part of how to play well with others in this sandbox, this particular sandbox. Um, incredible words of wisdom. Um, and, of course, we can't wrap without your words of uh, uh encouragement to fellow scribes but also um without mentioning the tragic passing of um ray Liotta, um legend living legend um and the actor uh who you know plays a, a pretty pretty outsized role as the father of jimmy keen yeah yeah um how are you feeling emotionally going into this kind of like this period where um you know kind of there's a little bit of a a hole there we're all in, in a very, um, you know, Ray had a celebration of life at his house. He didn't have a funeral, you know, and, and that's, I think, where we're at. You know, it, it's, yeah. we are, you know, uh, so very, very sad about him passing, but we are going to celebrate the performance he gave, which, you know, uh, is absolutely wonderful. And the performance that, that I'd wanted to see him give for a long time, mm. um, I worked with, with, I wrote the part for Ray because I hated to see how he was consistently pigeonholed as an actor mm-hmm. and it drove me nuts because I'd seen the breadth of his work and, and had followed his career so closely. Christopher Backus, who plays young, the young version of Ray Liotta in this show, he's, wow. he watched every single thing that Ray Liotta ever did. Wow. He watched every single thing. And he said, no matter how bad the movie, and there was a point where Ray was doing some straight-to-video stuff, I think, in the late 90s or early 2000s. He said, no matter how bad the movie Ray Liotta's in, Ray Liotta is always great. 
<laughs> he said Amazing. he watched and he did a steady diet, nothing but Ray Liotta, I think for a week. He just round the clock. And it's true. And that's and I wanted to see I wanted to see something more like, you know, the beautiful I the the beautiful performance he gave in Blow, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which is often forgotten. Oh, um, I love that movie. So uh yeah. So Ray was you know he, he was an absolute joy to work with. We had great plans to continue working together. I'm going to totally miss him. Yeah. Well, congrats on the work. Uh, of course, based on the novel, true story about James Keen premieres globally. First two episodes available Friday, July 8th via Apple TV plus the show is blackbird. Um, Dennis, your final pearl of wisdom for writers. If you could just wrap it up in a sentence, <laughs> to how to keep going. It's not a zero sum game. Enjoy yourself. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much, Dennis. We appreciate you. Your wisdom. Come back and wrap with us anytime. Anytime. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us for this file. And if you're a fan of the show, simply head over to writerfiles.fm for more. That's writerfiles.fm. <laughs>